Welcome to the Inspired Peak Performance Flowcast. Drop in as we dive deep into the epic moments of high performance from around the world, where we aim to unlock the valuable insights into their vision and the strategies applied in the pursuit of their own version of greatness. We'll discuss the experiences that led them there and what state they were in when they arrived. I'm your host, Paul Price, and this is The Flowcast. Today's conversation is with Mark Champagne. Mark Champagne unpacks the mental fitness practices and reflective questions shaping the lives of some of the most successful and brilliant thinkers in the world. He is the host of the Top 50 Ranked Podcast, Behind the Human, and co-founded the journaling app, Kyo which reached 86.9 million people without any paid advertising. Mark has studied mental fitness practices for over a decade and consults with Fortune 500 companies as a mental fitness strategist and speaker. Mark is on the verge of releasing his first book, Personal Socrates. It's released next week and explores the pointed questions that stimulate our mental fitness and teach us how to direct our internal narrative to work for us instead of against us. Sit back and find out what questions Mark Champagne asks himself to amplify his performance. I am so grateful to have you here on the Inspired Peak Performance Flowcast. How are you? I I am 100% and I'm excited to be here as well. So thanks for having me. Oh man, it's my pleasure. I've been uh, really looking forward to this conversation and you know, we've, uh, we've been exchanging a few notes back and forth and um, and yeah, it's, uh, I've been following your work for a little bit now since uh, seeing you on a mutual friend of ours podcast, Cody Royal. Um, yes. Shout out to Cody. Um, hey, Cody. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. He's doing some uh, great work in his space as well. But I'm super excited for you because you've written a, an, an amazing book that you've uh, kind of given me a sneak peek of pre-release which is coming out in just a few short weeks now let's let's talk a little bit about that first and foremost and sure. and i don't want and i really want to touch on your story around how that came to be because you're doing some amazing things in the, in the world with apps and meditation and mindfulness and and you kind of just almost you pivoted you just stopped and, and I really want to touch on that because I think it's a real powerful message in what you what you did and how you handled it and what you went through. So, so give us a bit of a background on the Mark Champagne story. <laughs> what led us to the, to, the, to the personal Socrates book coming out? It, it's interesting because the more I think about that path and that journey, as I was going through it, it did feel it, it felt exactly how you just described it, like a, you know, a pretty big pivot into a different, same, same industry, but different kind of realm or, or approach to it. But then the more that I've been talking about the book, and it's interesting, I was chatting with someone today, actually, who leads the wellness and uh, develop, player development at the, for the Toronto Raptors. And we were just chatting back and forth. And the, the more he was, he was asking me about the, the book, the more I was realizing, I'm like, actually this is essentially i took the app that i was working on and and made it into an analog form and now it's a book so uh which is interesting because i've, I've always been uh, a pretty big digital guy especially when it comes to a reflection and journaling so to provide some context to everyone listening on, on you know what i'm talking about 
short story is I, I spent about 10 years in the corporate world in sales and brand management. Um, but during that time, I had established a, let's just call it a mental fitness practice. That's not how I would have described that in the past, um, but that's essentially what it is in, in today's language. But I was getting up earlier than um, at least the people that I was working around, for example. And, and the reason why I was trying to figure out a way to uh, increase my knowledge and skill set because we were all being trained in the same stuff, right? So I'm like, I've got to do something different. Yeah. And so I started getting up earlier. And at that time, I was just reading, essentially, reading blog posts, books. But the rule was it had to be something positive and something that was going to propel me forward in some some capacity, whether that's bi biographies or mindset stuff. And what started coming up over and over again was this practice of journaling or reflective writing or whatever you want to call it, but essentially some sort of reflection. So I started doing that, you know, every single morning before I'd go into work, trying to prime my mind, get ready and, and train my mind to handle, you know, just the regular stresses of life and work that, that we all face. And eventually grew just really frustrated with the digital options that were available because I was traveling quite a bit at that time and I wasn't really a pen to paper guy. I liked the idea of just, you know, having an, uh, I think I was using an iPad probably most of the time, but having an iPad of some sort to house everything. And I was using Apple notes and various other apps at, at one point. And the disconnect for me was that I'd be reading and taking in this knowledge and for more specifically writing down questions that I was hearing in podcasts or again on these blog posts or TED talks. And then I would take that question and the next morning I would journal on it in relation to where I was at in my life. And it was just disconnected because I'd, I'd have one place for questions and I was copying that and pasting it into another area. And at the time too, Headspace and Calm for meditation, those apps were taking off. So people were seem to be okay with being guided digitally. And I'm like, there's nothing, there's nothing like that for journaling. And it, it's, it's, it, I found it so interesting because it didn't matter who I was following uh, on podcasts or, or whatever, or the books that we're reading, they were all doing some sort of reflection, especially through questions. They were asking powerful questions. And it, it just didn't seem like that was like a, a, a mainstream practice by any means. It was, if anything, it was, you know, seen as, oh, you're, you're talking about uh, the 13-year-old the girl writing her diary about the boy at school type thing, right? Yeah. And it, there's nothing wrong with that, but no, not necessarily. I'm talking about really big questions from, from people that uh, are inspiring us and that we're learning from. So that, I, I share all that because that, that was essentially the, the, the decade-long buildup to get to the point where, all right, I, I have an idea about how to how to fix that problem and essentially fix the problem for myself so that I had a seamless digital solution that was going to pull in content and allow me to interact with that content on the spot through journaling. So mm -hmm. I flipped my brother-in-law and co-founder uh, an email saying, hey, here's the idea. Here's the frustration. Do you want to partner up and try to figure this thing out? you know, none of both of us with zero app or development experience. <laughs> I, I messaged him or emailed him because uh, he he's always been an entrepreneur. And 
uh, was running an, his own IT company, like networks and systems and things like that. And that's the closest person I knew to anything related to like technology. So far from app development, um, but he realized that as well. And he said, you know, hey, this seems interesting. He had clients that were, ask, were asking him for uh, apps and stuff like that. And he just always declined. So he figured, hey, this would be a good learning opportunity. So we, we set out to create that product. We launched it. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of backstory to that, but, uh, you know, the short story is we launched it and within the first uh, year and a half, we had reached 86.9 million people with this app and largely part because of Apple featuring the app across the world as, you know, new apps we love, or, um, you know, we were being featured on these journaling lists and, you know, the top 10 journaling apps type thing. And I think we're being, it's hard to tell to, to really nail it down, like why, because once the first few countries started featuring, then it just started to snowball all around the world. And I think the biggest reason, one, the, the app was very uh, Apple-ish in, in terms of its design at that time. And the other big thing is that probably a good six, seven months before the thing even launched, I was spending a ton of time colla- uh, collaborating with uh, people like, Adam Grant or people working at Lego or VaynerMedia or LinkedIn and, and grabbing their, their reflective questions. I would interview them and, and pull out the mental fitness practices in their life and specifically, Hey, what are the top three questions that you gravitate back to when you're in, you know, facing hard decisions or on a frequent basis? Like what questions do you think about? And then those so I had all that content. So when the app launched, we had a ton of content that wasn't from us, the company, but from all these, all these different experts around the world that also weren't in the fields or industries that you would just assume would be in that app, like meditation coaches or yoga instructors. I mean, like Adam Grant was all around workplace feedback and Lego was just reg- like regular corporate mindfulness practices. So there was just a lot of different content in there that I think resonated with everyday people and the and the jobs that they they had. So yeah, so that was the entry into this space. Uh, I mean, I've said a lot. I'll, I'll I'll stop there for any different questions, but eventually it gets to a, to a book, obviously. Yeah. So the um the 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 fact that you had the um the uh, you said like mindfulness meditation coaches have sort of traditionally kind of bring that kind of spiritual holistic sort of vibe with it which in the past has kind of kept people away from these sorts of powerful practices yeah. that we're now seeing the likes of you know entrepreneurs ceos executives and even high-performing athletes start to embed into their daily lives um that are, that are game-changing for them that are changing the, the way they they do operate um it's huge that res- that resonation so that, you know, you could now see your hero um, or someone you uh, admire or idolize. Um, oh, they actually do something like this, and and yeah, that connection is is quite powerful. We want to we want to take on the uh, behaviors or actions that of people who have the results that we want to strive towards. Um, well, I think it gives us permission. Yeah. To, to say that that's okay, right? Oh, okay. I'm a strategist, and the strategy, the lead strategist at VaynerMedia, for example, you know, 
takes a pause and takes a walk instead of jumping into trying to just cram through solving an issue. So all of a sudden, well, it, you know, if they're doing that and they're one of the most recognizing recognized agencies in the world, I mean, that does, why can't I, you know, versus worth uh, versus other people that seem unaccessible, right? Like, I think the easiest, the easiest group is just, you know, Olympic athletes or, or any high level athlete. I mean, we all know that, and especially with your background, know that these type of practices and, and top level physical training as well, like that's just part of the regular day and the regular routine, mm -hmm. but it's also part of a lot of other people's routines and can be as well, if we allow ourselves to go there. So that you know that that's that that's the intent and that actually i still host that same podcast from from four years ago it's rebranded uh off of the app's name but it's called behind the human and it's, but it's the exact same format trying to interview just different people in different industries to to i mean my goal is just to open up these practices to more people so that because once you get into it then all of a sudden it just snowballs into oh well i want to try that i want to try breath work i want to try this that and it's, you know, it's the infinity scroll loop that's actually positive for you. So I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's really super cool. Um, before we sort of go on to like the practices, some sure. of the, you know, and I, I want to touch on some of your, the questions that, that, that you reflect on that have been the most powerful um, in, in your life. But that sort of transition from, you know, I know you mentioned in the book that you just deleted, you know, the app. You decided the business model wasn't working, and yeah. and you and you sit here. And I've got a quote from your book saying, you know, you're deleting your identity. It was like deleting your identity, um, and you never felt more alone in that moment. Um, and just moved to Toronto. Give me an insight into that space because I can. You know, that's just sort of where I've come from, coming out of. Sure. So selfishly here and i know that i'm not alone in this but i'm really curious to know um where you are at and and was there a certain level of awareness around actually i already have the strategy i just need to reconnect with it or was this something you kind of had to pivot because it seems like it was just like a natural transition but maybe you weren't aware of yeah uh, Oh, the actual way out of this is what I've been working on for the last couple of years. Yeah, you 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 said something really profound there, I'd say, Paul, because I mean, it definitely was there. The strategies, the questions, the practices were what pulled me out of a really dark place. But and I'll back up in terms of to set the context, but like many facing really tough life and work situations i was crippled by fear and anxiety to the point where i could i couldn't even i couldn't even create the mental space to to even think about that because mm -hmm. i was thinking about how are we going to live and i have no plan forward for the first time in my life because i had you know before leaving that that job i was living in montreal canada i had I wasn't leaving a job that I was unhappy in. I was actually quite happy doing really well, pretty secure. I mean, the next steps were just like a typical corporate ladder and I knew where I was going and I knew what I had to do. Um, but when I left that, 
on my own will, obviously, to create this because I knew I would regret not trying at the very least. And I left with I left that job with the question of, well, what's the worst that can happen? If it doesn't work, I can go back and, you know, go back to that industry. What I didn't expect to happen was that I would find the work that is like my true purpose. And then that past industry no longer felt aligned, which yeah. immediately removed the backup plan. So when I hit delete app from the app store at the same time of staring at that dashboard where it said 86.9 million people all the wrong questions were floating through my head it was just how could we fail at such a colossal level like how do you read most apps don't even hit a thousand downloads like we reached we had about 200 and i think 250 or 275,000 people that had used the app because the, the the 86 million are apps or impressions eyeballs on it but even that i mean most apps have Nothing really, frankly. There, I think I, we looked this up. I, I want to say it's less than ten percent have anything, you know, significant in this in the sense of like real views and downloads and use of an app. Most are are kind of sitting dormant. So we had all of this attention, all of these brand collaborations, like some of the like some of the most respected people in 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 those industries coming in working with us, which was you know we're super grateful for, and I still am, obviously but we couldn't make that work. And I mean, there were various, there were a ton of different reasons. I mean, the main thing was just the business model wasn't functioning and we need more time and more money to do that classic startup scenario. And we had just been through our third development team. So um, we needed that as well in place. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest question at that time was, do, do I have, and this, I, I borrowed this one from Scott Belsky and, and he's in the book as well, uh, founder of Behance and which was acquired by Adobe. And now he's a VP over there. And his question was something along the lines of, you know, to stick through that messy middle period of any business, you, you have to have as much, if not more conviction to your idea and, and the whole team and everything behind it than what you had at the very beginning when everything is in you know, roses and butterflies, people are excited about your idea and, and excited for you and all the potential. Then you get into reality, obviously. Um, and if you've lost that conviction or that hope or whatever it is, then that's usually a sign that it's okay to uh, not continue. And that's, that's where at least I personally got to. And I think the rest of the team got to eventually as well. Um, so deleting that though was, was a huge thing because now I'm left, like I said, feeling like I have zero backup plan. I had moved from Montreal to Toronto um, for business reasons for the most part. I mean, we had a lot more family in the area. I was closer to my co-founder, but for the most part, it was moving to a bigger city, the biggest city in Canada, essentially in the financial hub of the country for, opportunities for this app and this business and now i've deleted that and i'm living in a place that i definitely can't afford i'm living in an area that was supposed to be temporary so you know it wasn't it wasn't i i i don't like the it could be worse let's just put it this way but it just wasn't the home that you know we were used to and that we had just left for example it was a temporary solution yeah. and now it seemed like a very permanent solution that we couldn't even afford and I had a, my five-year-old would have been around two, probably around that time. And I was just terrified that he was picking up on any type of 
stress that my wife and I had, even though, you know, we did the best as possible as parents to, you know, shield him from that. But I mean, you kids pick up on everything, as you know, as a, as a dad. And so that. I share, I share that same concern in, in transitioning from one space yeah. over the last year or so as well. Like that is probably the thing that weighs on my mind the most is going, what is Scarlett picking up on? Yeah, of course. Through this. this of course. Of we're and we're, we're human. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, it's like the, that, that was starting to weigh on me. I'm, I've been in a men's group for the last um, four years, essentially since starting because of this app, that's how I was introduced to this group. And, and we've been meeting every second Mondays for four years, essentially. And I mean, I credit them to a lot of help in dealing with the, the whole situation, but also a lot of the guys in that group, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about happened when they were in four or five years old or six years. So I'm like, these are the formative years where, so I'm starting to think about that. Like, you know, am I, am I, am I setting my son up for a men's group essentially? Which, yeah. Which should is probably, a, should yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll get him an advanced membership. Yeah. Um, so all to say it was, it was the, definitely the, the the toughest and darkest time uh, at that time because because of everything I just mentioned, and I was I was really crippled and not knowing what to do next. And the only thing that I was able to uh, do to pull myself out was to mononiacally focus on the present moment. I was working out of a, uh, a co-working space, and as soon as I felt that internal narrative loop starting to loop. I would just leave and take a walk and just try to be present with the walk and then start thinking of things that I was grateful for. The fact that I can walk outside and it's nice out and I, you know, I'm not fearing for my safety, like the, whatever you can do to grab onto elements of gratitude, because you can't be, you can't be fearful. You can't be upset and grateful at the same time. It's hard to be in those two, those two states at the same time. Absolutely. So I did that enough to eventually wake myself up to what you mentioned on, well, wait a second. You spent the last three, four years interviewing all of these different people and having all these prompts and practices in, in an app and business. I mean, I just need to follow that stuff. And then that's when I asked myself, you know, the most important question in my life at that point, which was, what do I want for my life? Because that, that regained or, or re-stimulated hope soon as you lose hope, I mean, that's when it becomes really challenging. So that gave hope because, okay, well, if this is what I want, then what, then what do I need to do? Who do I need to speak with? Like, what's the one thing I can do today to get me closer to that list, for example. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just, the, and that's what led to question after question and, and seeing that, wow, we are all one question away from a completely different life. And I, I live that and I've seen that happen over and over. I've seen questions save lives. Um, I don't think I was that far down that, that, that rabbit hole, but I was definitely trending fast into a deep depression. I could, I remember thinking like, okay, well, this is what it must, this is, this is what it must feel like to hit rock bottom. And I can see how there's so many people that easily slip into, you know, uh, like alcohol abuse or drug abuse, like just to numb out that pain. I can see yeah. it. So just to find that, that source of dopamine to, to kind of get them through that next couple of hours. 
Yeah. Well, well, just, yeah. To, to let that, that feeling numb out and, 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 and disappear. Right. So you can just feel something else. Cause I, I just remember constantly feeling sick. My stomach was just so tight and waking up in the morning, feeling like that, just essentially as soon as my eyes open, just looping thoughts, like a, like a race car of uh, basically anything and everything that could possibly go wrong in this situation, you know, like I, I've said this a few times, but I, like we are all best-selling authors, right? When it comes to our internal narratives in our minds, like they, they feel those stories feel real and they're winning awards for that, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I mean, whatever we can do to pause it. Yeah. Underrated thing. And, and that sort of that question. So I'm really curious to know your, your thoughts on this because I always, in my coaching work, and, and, and in when, I, when I'm speaking and talking about a visualization to me is a, is a powerful tool that I believe we're, we're constantly doing. Like you're never not visualizing something and your yeah. narrative is the director. You know, the internal yeah. dialogue is the director of what you're visualizing. So the moment you ask that question, what, what, um, what do I want for my life? Um, did you find that the, it helped you switch into that mode of creating a vision. So it was, were you very visual on that representation? And, and did you apply any sort of level of gratitude for future thinking going, okay, this is the vision where I'm grateful for my vision. I'm grateful for this oh, yeah. moving towards, um, because quite often we talk about gratitude in things that have happened, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on, do you think gratitude for the future happening, which may be sort of stepping into the manifestation type type area? Yeah. But, um, I think it both works. And do you find that by asking that question, it just allows you to focus on um, having that visual representation is motivating, intrinsically motivating to actually get you out of that space of darkness to be able to look yeah. at the light going, okay, if I can see that, I can move towards that. And what's that step? You know, do you yeah. find that that visual aspect is really important alongside of a narrative? It's, I mean, for me, I'm a very visual person. So for me, I've, I've had vision boards and, you know, affirmations and all of that for basically since I started. So, you know, when I started getting up earlier, like that, when I was tipped off on journaling, I was also tipped off on those practices. And what that question then did for me was map out with words first, you know, where I wanted to head. And then I would, then I started pulling in visual representations of what would stimulate that feeling for me having achieved what I wanted to achieve and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I think everyone's different, obviously, but the key is like, especially in, in states, states like what i was in and when you're really when you're constantly thinking of the the negative things that could happen and like i was doing everything to prime my mind to the opposite end right so now um i've written down a vision i've written down where i want to go i i have a plan that i'm starting to uh put together i'm to have a plan that i'm starting to articulate out loud to other people which is another form of visualization as well now other people are involved and I have visuals that I'm looking at every single morning, if not 
middle of the day, end of the day, just to continually prime my mind to stay on that track. And I remember I, I had interviewed um, Apollo Ono, uh, a, short, a short track speed skater for the, for the U.S. Olympic team. I think, unless it's changed, but at the time, he was the most decorated winter Olympian of, of, US, mm -hmm. uh, of all of the U.S., and it's the same stuff. I mean, he was using post-it notes, essentially just with little reminders of, you know, why he was getting up and training and, and doing, putting in that work, like what the goals and the vision for him were just constantly so that he, as soon as he walked by the fridge or whatever it was, he would see that. So I think, you know, for me, what I was do, I use it on my iPhone because we pick up, now we, we can actually see the stats. At that time, I can't remember the number, but I, I there was something like my iPhone was telling me that I was picking up it, you know, picking the phone up, I don't know, 60 times or something per day. So I changed my wallpaper to have, uh, uh, well, it, I would change it all the time, but I would have quotes or, or one-liners or actual screenshot of that vision board so that I would, anytime I picked that thing up, I would I would be reminded. Whether I whether I stopped to really look at it or not, still i'm it's it's entering into my eyes in my mind so it's yeah. just, again it's whatever for me that works um but it's whatever works for you for apollo ono it's post-it notes and and visualization during meditation to the point where he shared the story of how he used to be able to make himself sweat on a plane meditating visualizing his his run i mean this powerful I stuff i used I yeah used visualization in my squash career and it, it, i can I, imagine i got that good at it that you could like you know you would be twitching like hitting the ball or yeah moving like you'd be sitting you know laying down sitting wherever you're doing it and then the key to it was right you you mentioned it before you touched on it like what are the feelings it's one thing to see it and one thing to 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 say it but can you yeah. feel it and that's feel what it. i teach in my yeah. program is that when you're visualizing you've got to be able to feel you got to connect to that feeling because that's kind of that's the biological state of you which is a really yeah. powerful place like you've got to connect the feeling to the image as well for sure yeah. for sure but yeah so like so yeah and actually one of my athletes i've worked with he actually this is a couple of months back after working with him for that's probably about nine twelve actually probably 12 months he, we had a session one day and he go I said, I said, look, we haven't touched on this for a while, but how's the visualization going? And he said, he goes, actually, he goes, I wanted to tell you this. He goes, I did a visualization two days ago and I was sweating. Like I was, I was literally, I started sweating. I'm like, yeah, right on, man. Like that's, that's huge. How do you, how do you lead people through your visualizations? Like, is there a set of prompts I, or? I, I, I try to let them feel it out themselves okay. because I find that as like some people are a bit more kinesthetic, some people are a bit more auditory, like you've got these sure. different ways of learning and processing things. Right. So I try not to let the way I visualize get in the way of how they would learn to do it. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, in terms of a process, it's basically body scan, like relaxation first. You've got to bring the body yeah. down into that sort of more closer to a, a flow state med meditative zone. Um, right. And then it's just whatever they need to picture, whether it's a skill or a, a match play game, whatever it is, get them to bring that. I get them to visualize their 
their pre-performance routines. So they're kind of linking all the required triggers that, to get their biology in the right state and their mind in the right state so that they can tap into it to make it as realistic as possible. Yeah. And then I kind of get them to sort of, you know, the big thing is like getting them to turn up the feeling. Like imagine you could turn and dial, turn the volume up. You know, yeah. so imagine yourself sitting there, you know, even if you're writing a book, like, you know, seeing yourself at your computer and just the energy and like just amplify it, amplify it, like just and just see the words coming onto the screen, like just get into detail. Yeah. Um, and detail and feeling. So it's a progression. It took me a long time. You know, I always tell people that the difference of me being top five in the world as an athlete and winning some world championships or being top hundred in the world was visualization and just connecting mm. that image of myself and creating a reality in my head before it actually happened. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. So yeah, so I use that. I kind of don't really have a set method with it. I have some guidelines, sure. but I, I sort of let the the person I'm working with. I kind of feel it out going, does that work for you? Does that work? You know, how, do, how does it feel? Like when you close your eyes, what do you see? And then I sort of just let them take them, take them through some stuff, but okay, lots of different ways to do it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the, one of the ways that, that I, cause I've been doing a lot of that kind of visualization work before uh, talks and, and presentations and stuff. And I used to do that as well in the corporate space, like when presenting brand plans in front of the CEO or something and just visualizing the room and, and where people would be and people asking questions and again, feeling what it would feel like when, you know, you start to get a little bit hot and tingly when someone asks you a question, you might not be able to answer or whatever, but like how you're going to react to that. And, uh, I found that super helpful, but the, the thing I found even more helpful in the prep uh, as I moved through these practices was actually thinking about the people on the other side and asking, my, uh, asking myself the question, and I do this for podcasts as well, how do I want the listeners to feel after being a part of this show, for example? Or how do I want the audience, you know, that are that are receiving the message in a keynote or a talk or something to feel and walk away? Like, what are the things that they are, they're going to go back and say, which I find really helpful in like priming my mind to show up, you know, how I want to show up and, and just, you know, jumping into that headspace right away. And like kind of what you're saying, like close your eyes and and amp yourself up and and away you go. And it it. it it seems it works. It seems to work. So I'm going to keep going with it. Yeah. I, I, I think it's one of the most undervalued, underrated exercises that, you know, people just don't tap into. Like, you know, as yeah. you said, like, you know, you would wake up in the morning under high stress, high pressure going and your mind would start racing. Right. So our mind's creating a visualization of, because your mind's never really, if you're stressed or anxious, you're not really thinking about the present moment, really, are you? It's like you're, you're no. visualizing or remembering or creating a story. Exactly. A, a, a foreign reality or a reality that you don't want. Yeah. And your brain's going to gravitate towards that information. So gratitude, visualization, um, journaling, reflecting, mm. what is it I want my life to look like? What, is my, what do I want my day to look like today? Yeah. Well, that's where the questions for me, that's why I'm so obsessed with these questions because yeah. they're, they're the pause. 
they're the pause that 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 pause the narrative the autopilot wh whatever is going on they give us the luxury of the pause to take some time to cut it to think of something else to make a plan to to hold back on a reaction like whatever it, whatever the scenario is it doesn't matter it just it gives that luxury of space in between yeah. something continuing and yeah. we all have access we all have access to questions yeah i love that i love that um and so, so to, to to bring on that and i know in the book you, you you've got a profile in there of james clear who both you and i are a fan of but um and one of the questions that he asks is who am i optimizing to become yeah so is that how prevalent is that question in terms of because that is to me like that's almost like the ultimate visualization question because now you're actually breaking it down into action steps and values yeah. and and uh you know, behaviors really of course well and it yeah and it's your your habits your systems uh, you know everything you're doing to support the the person that you want to become and his his profile on that that question with the other ones that that proceeded as well to help along that process are in the second part of the book for a reason, because the, the second part of the book is all around uh, living with intention and doing things intentionally. But you know, you, you can't do that until you become clear. So the first part of the book is, is around clarity, right? And we were, we were chatting about this earlier. You have to know who you want to be or who you want to become before you can start optimizing for that person, for example. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, that's why for me, like, you know, the idea and, and the reason the book is structured in, in these profiles and they're, they're two to four page digestible profiles is to try to meet someone as best as possible where they're at in their life. So there's, there are people in there, not everyone may know James Clear, but everyone knows Robin Williams or Kobe Bryant or Maya Angelou. Like there's a host of people in there that there should be something to stop and help people pause to then answer a question to seek and find more clarity in whatever they need in their life at that moment. And then they can progress to making those changes like James is, is referring to on ensuring that the things that you're doing in the day are supporting what, who you want to become, right? Yeah. Right. The easiest way to do this is a calendar scan, you know, list out, you know, list out or refer to your vision board or wherever you wherever you've written out um you know that person you want to become and, and the, the type of work you want to do and all of that you know have that in front of you and then mirror that with everything you did this week is is it aligned does it disconnect like you'll get data from that no matter what so then you then yeah. you have data and insight and you can make a a, a choice either you're going to change who you really want to become, or usually that's not the case. And it's more so, oh, well, I've got to shift some of the actions Excellent. that I'm doing, right? To support that person. And that's where James uh, Clear in his book, uh, Atomic Habits and everything he's about uh, is, is, is really good because it's, it's, again, it just causes us to pause and think about the, the things that we're doing and the habits. And most importantly, the systems that support the habits, you know, uh, are, are in check with, uh, where we're heading. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, it's when you break it down into that, into that fashion, it really does give you a, a significantly powerful framework to, to constantly 
check in and go, is what I'm about to do moving me closer to the person that I want to become or towards my purpose or is it moving me away from it? Yeah. And it's either or. And it's, there's, there's no in between there. There's, there's, it either no. is or it isn't. You, you know, could, you uh, could loop, it, loop it to nutrition. There's so many examples. Exactly. You're either putting something in your body that's fueling health or fueling disease. Yeah. There's no in between there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's and it, and it's powerful. But it's 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 amazing though how 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 um, phenomenal we are at finding a gray zone where it doesn't exist. Oh, for sure. In terms of going, yeah, it might be fueling disease, but it's only one donut. Yeah, totally. Now. So surely, what is one donut going to hurt? Yeah. It, well, we're, we're master, we're master negotiators. So in, in, yeah. uh, in, in the profile I wrote up on Kobe Bryant, the, the opening prompt is how do I get to the rim? It has nothing to do with basketball. It has everything to do with how Kobe mastered the art of internal negotiation. And the example that I provide in there that I learned from him, I think we can all resonate with. And it's just, well, the alarm goes off early in the morning and we've all done this. We can negotiate a thousand scenarios to stay in bed a little bit longer for whatever reason. Even if we had all of the intentions the night before to do certain things, I, I, it happened to me while writing the book because I was writing primarily early in the morning. And I remember this one time, uh, this is probably before the Kobe profile, but alarm went off, it was 5.34. That's the time I always get up. It's been like that for eight years now, maybe even 10 still don't necessarily always get super excited to get up at that time. And I, I probably went to bed a little bit later than what I should. So there's the flag already. So I wasn't feeling it. And I started to go with like within warp speed. Okay. Sleep is important. Sleep is important for my health. If I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to be focused and on track today. I'm not going to get my other work done. I can always write at 2 p.m. instead of 8.30 in the morning, blah, blah, blah. So I stayed in bed for probably an extra 20 minutes. That does nothing anyway because I probably didn't fall asleep. Yeah. Um, and then sure enough, get up, life happens. I didn't write because, you know, things happen. So you know, that, and that's where Kobe, you know, he, he realized that, well, wait a second, he was getting up at four o'clock in the morning to put in an extra workout before the team would meet for their workout. And he just did that consistently and, and stopped the internal negotiation and just got out of bed. So, you know, he did that and the example or the, the, the mental fitness that I provide as an example or for people to try is from, uh, from actually from Mel Robbins. And uh, she has a she has a really good material out there and some, some good books, but her method of five countdown, five, four, right. three, two, one, just get out of bed. Just do it. Right. Yeah. She, she uses it for anxiety purposes and whatnot, but I mean, you can use that for anything. Just basically stop and go, right. You've got yeah. five seconds to, to just do it. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so just to add to that, and, and I love that, I love that segue to the Kobe situation because yeah, you know, we are, you said we're one question away from changing our life, but we're also one negotiation away from holding ourselves back as well. For sure. Uh, and, and so one method that I've found helpful with that in that scenario as well is, is to find a piece of gratitude in, um, I used to get up at uh, 5am to go and run these um, 
training camps for, for squash players. Okay. Um, 5 a.m. It would start at 6, so 5 a.m. be up so I could be out there, get to the courts, yeah, get set up to go. And I did this for, I think, about three years straight, and I didn't miss one session. I didn't cancel one session. I did it. But I, to do that, I found myself waking up going 5 a.m. Uh, okay. But I, I, I connected <laughs> to gratitude going, how fortunate am I that I get to go and work with 12 people who want to learn from me today? Yeah, I, go I, and, I, get, I get the chance to go and make a difference to 12 other people or 16 yeah. other people this morning. And that, that shifted me from a different perspective and kind of just got me out of bed day in, day out, day in, day out, yeah. um, which what I found was quite powerful. So it might be something that uh, can add to that. Uh, yeah but that but that's the key like everyone is different so again i think the most important part of what we just discussed is the reflection to get to that solution you know for for me i i i resonate with that five four three two one period for you it's the gratitude but you know to get to that you you have to first get clear on you know why you're getting up and what you're doing and then again set that intention that no matter what Here's the here's the tool that I'm going to use to make this happen. Yeah, here's right. the shoehorn to get me out of that bed. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Unless you build like a um, an automated like alarm goes off and the bed just flips up and knocks throws you out. You out. Yeah, you out. totally. Then, uh, that's another option. Um, not tried that one myself, but uh, <laughs> no. okay. So let's just pivot a little bit, and I just want to sure. be um, aware of our time, but. Yeah, I'm curious to know what flow means to you. Mm. And I'm curious to know um, your relationship to flow in terms of creating this book and creating this uh, amazing framework for people to, to get stuck into in a couple of weeks. Like, and you've got to, you've got to get your hands on this book, uh, everybody. It's, it will impact your life in profound ways. It already has on mine, and but uh, but I want to know the process. I want to know the struggle around it, but your relationship to flow and did you tap into flow and flow state to actually be more productive, find more passion, purpose in this? Like, what's the relationship and correlation between flow and yeah and Mark Champagne? Flow flow for me is is a huge component in my life. And, and especially when things are feeling like they're uncertain, uh, tapping into gratitude and kind of a happiness list, things that I know that are going to put me in a state of, of feeling good, usually pull me out into, you know, my version of a flow state. It might be a little bit different than what uh, the researchers will say, and the people like the Stephen Kotler's of the world and whatnot, where you know time slows and uh, you can do a task for hours on end, and you're you're almost you know you're just you're not thinking, you're flowing essentially, um, which I've been in, and I think a, lo a lot of people can resonate in in extreme sports like that. I feel that on a mountain bike when you know racing down a hill in a like a downhill track of some sort, uh, you're just instinctively going um that behind the mic on podcasts really 
usually like when I'm interviewing someone because I've primed my mind in a different way, for example, and I just completely, yeah, oh, wow, an hour's already gone by type thing. I mean, we've kind of had that ourselves, right? We're just in conversation, right? And it's just, it's, it's flowing naturally, which is, which, you know, it's not always the case, right? So, uh, uh, you know, I'm grateful for that. But those, I guess for me, it's when I'm, I'm feeling grateful, I'm feeling excited, and I'm motivated and, and primed. So I had interviewed Stephen Kotler actually went for, for his latest book, uh, The Art of the Impossible. And we started talking about flow states and he gave me some really cool stats in there that I included in the book. And, and I can't remember which profile that was, but essentially the idea, what, what he shared with me was just that when you're in a flow state, you know, and, and for him, he, he gets them quite easily going skiing, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, so first I have to identify the, again, the easiest way, identify the things where, uh, where time slows and passing of time is, is, is extended. You know, those are the things that you can, you know, <laughs> list out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you, you don't do those activities and get into that state, what he had told me, the, the creative, uh, results or, or, effects of that can last up to i think three or four days after the flow state so i was trying like on the on the days where like i said i was writing primarily every morning but uh at one the last three months i had uh full days uh on thursday were my writing days and editing days so those days i made sure that i had time to get in a really good run or spin or in the winter when it, when that was happening, I would jet out to the ski hill and just do two runs on a you know on the snowboard type thing, knowing that um, that this would impact my writing. Whereas past Mark would have been like, that's not productive. I'm I'm yeah. losing the time losing driving time. to the yeah. Even though everything's pretty close where I live, but I'm losing that if it's an hour, an hour and a half of time to be writing. But knowing you know, some of the science behind that. And, and again, having the luxury of interviewing some of these people, um, I know that my actual work, not just that day, but for two, three days after as well, benefits from taking that time. So, you know, that's, that's how I incorporate it. And even, even now, like I said, when things feel uncertain or I'm just, you know, th stuff's bothering me or, or something maybe not happening as fast as I'd like it to, to I'll remember to, to jump into those activities to shift my mind out of that 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 narrative, knowing that it's going to put me in uh, first a primed and positive state, but then also knowing that things then start to happen, right? Like then all of a sudden the connections start to form, people start showing up, calls come in, emails come in, and you're like, oh wow, like everything just turned around. Well, yeah. you know, I, I I think there's a bit of a magic to that, so. Yeah, it's there's, there's definitely the flow state, flow science, but the flow energy. I, I kind of feel it's a there's flow doing and then there's flow being. Yes, yeah, that's a good you way to put kind it. Of, you got to kind of pivot between both, right? You got to kind of yeah. um, force yourself into you know yeah, there's friction between driving to the ski hill and getting and only doing two runs that worth the time and effort. Da, da, da. And, you know, could I spend that time writing, you know, or sleeping in an extra 20 minutes or, do yeah. that? but the, the benefits on the back end of being in a flow state are just so significant that sure. you almost can't afford to not go snowboarding. Yeah. 
yeah it's almost like you can't afford not to do these things um because they they change the way you show up yeah and i often sure. talked um um i was speaking to a neuroscientist about flow and i was talking, we were talking about abraham maslow's work as well and a man must be what he's meant to be and and I, I said to him, I said, I kind of feel like the kind of this vision I have is of like, imagine what it would feel like going to a party at 8 p.m. with 100 people that all just came off um, came off the back end of a flow state in their, their, their main flow activity, whether it's snowboarding, sure. squash, swimming, basketball, reading, talking yeah. to friends going to a concert. Imagine if we all just came off the back end of a flow state and then showed up at a party all together, like the connection and the vibe. Oh, wow. and the energy. Yeah. Like, imagine what that would feel like and how, and that's why I think the power in flow state exists, why I'm very yeah. passionate about that world and, and helping my clients experience more of it because I know it helps them show up as a better partner, parent, of friend, course. colleague, leader, um, like it just, we just show up so much better. Yeah. And we're, just, and we're just, and our walls are dropped. Our egos, you know, well, we lose our ego in flow. So it's uh, hopefully hasn't had time to come back yet too much. Yeah. 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 Um, but we just, it's, it's powerful. And, and to your point, most people go, yeah, I, I can't really afford to go for a 30 minute walk in the middle of the day. And I'm like, you can't afford not to. Mm hmm. You can't oh. afford not to recharge the battery. Plug totally. the phone in for 30 minutes. Get a bit of extra juice for the afternoon. You know, and walk yourself into an exercise sort of induced flow state. And uh, yeah. so it's powerful. So I love that that you you purposely use that in that way. And, and uh, okay. well, and there's there's a there's also an element of confidence knowing that we have this list that we've identified that we can turn to at any moment. I mean, just, just knowing that you have those tools accessible, which again, it, it has to be personalized to you, but you know, it could be that walk or it could be listening. The other thing too, is like, I often listen to songs on repeat and it's just, I mean, I am just boosting the streams on Spotify for some of these, these artists on their individual <laughs> songs, but it's just, it's got me so revved up right just like going to a concert that uh i'll do that for an hour and and just crush through whatever task that i'm, I'm working on or whatever it is right so yeah. again just knowing that i think to me it, it keeps coming back to this formula and i didn't know this formula until i wrote the book because i i had no idea that this was happening now it's clear but you have to be clear about what those things are first then you can be intentional and deploy them yeah and then the and then the third part of the book is exponential opportunity shows up, right? Because then you can see it. So, I mean, I'm just, maybe because, I mean, the book's pretty fresh, obviously, for me, but I, I feel like I see everything in life, work, personal, in that formula in some capacity. And it's been, at least for me, it's been a real blessing to, to operate. Because then when things get tough, you can just like pull back and, okay, well, I need to get clear. And, yeah. and then I can move to this step and then I, I, you know, I know it'll be all right. Yeah. And and it's, yeah. And I love the way that you, you express that, like, you know, the question, having, having um, 
questions, to find the answers, then to get the tools, and then to know it's almost like having this is this is my profile right here. This is as long as I'm doing these things, these are the results, these are the outcomes. And then from these outcomes, this is where that vision of who I'm optimizing become or what do yeah, I Yeah, exactly. Um, around that. So because one of the questions I often ask is going, where is my flow coming from? Where is my thing? But until you know, we start this dialogue of getting you on the show and and like looking at and starting to read the book, I'm like, I never actually thought to myself, what questions am I asking myself? But from just sort of this conversation and the, and reading the book, I'm like, I actually ask a lot of questions of myself. I've just actually never written them down. Sure, I've, I've sure. actually never had a process for them. I've had some frameworks that are a little bit different, but um, but the intentional, I don't know, I've, I've just sort of, it's sort of, raise my level of awareness around the power of questions. So I'm good. thank you for that. Oh, um, and how thank you. actually have an impact on the clients I work with as well. So, but so I have uh, one more question for you. Sure. Is what, what is next now for Mark Champagne? Like we've obviously got the book coming out, but like, um, you know, being a musician as well and writing songs and generally when you, once you've released a song, uh, you know and you start to play it you've already played that song a gazillion times <laughs> yeah so then you've got to go and tour the songs live and by the time you finish the tour you've kind of written another 50 new songs that you're way more excited about is that is this a, you know is this so fresh still that you're kind of still in like i want to play the songs now yeah i, yeah, I definitely or you, i'm or have you kind yeah. of got like Oh, this is you know, this is where I go next. This is the the next version. This is the next answer to the question of what do I want for my life? Yeah, that's a a great way to frame things up. I I have ideas. I, I definitely have ideas around, you know, the the next book or what that could look like. And it's it, there's a whole bunch of them. There's nothing specific, but it, everything revolves around questions, whether that's questions around um the questions that started some of the biggest inventions or innovations that we know you know what were those questions and how can we use those for our own lives that's that's one of the ideas but mm. i mean to be completely transparent i mean that's just a list in an apple notes uh uh sheet on my phone i'm definitely still interested in playing those those same songs because i haven't I mean, I'm just starting to experience it now. It's been two, it's been a two year project, essentially writing and getting this book to a point where it's a physical object. I'm still recording uh, the audio book, which by the time people are hearing this, it, it's all going to launch uh, at the same time. But there's still a lot going on to get those songs out uh, to stay on that example. And the thing I'm most excited about is just seeing how they land and which elements will land more than the others and, and, and whatnot and seeing how people react and where I can go from there. I'm really trying to follow my own process of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty clear on the work that I wanna do. And a lot of that has to do with writing and, and helping people find these practices and making them accessible and practical for people. There's the book, which is, which is which is a 
a tool in that, just like the app was. Um, there's the podcast that I still host behind the human, which gives me incredible joy. And then, I've, you know, I've started speaking about this stuff for, for companies as well. And through that, every now and then there's uh, like a consulting type jobs around prompt, you know, around prompts and helping teams or, or whatever they, whatever they need, but there's no, they're, they're so unique that it's not like I can go and say, oh yeah, you know, hire me to go develop your brand strategy or something like that. Right. Um, That would have been my past life. That's the stuff I was doing uh, before. So all to say what I'm, what I'm focused on the most is giving everything I've got to get this information out and, and, and see where it goes and be clear enough to be able to see the signs on which path to take next. That's what I'm, uh, that's, that's where, where I'm heading or what journey I'm deciding to trust. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Well, look, I've, um, I've really loved this conversation to bits and pieces. That's, it's been phenomenal and you've been goosebumps, uh, just wrapping this up here. So, um, so the book drops October 19th. Correct. Yes. Um, where are people going to be able to find it? How can they find you? Um, I encourage everyone to connect with you. Get a copy of this book. It's going to change your life. It'll change your, your vision. Um, but how do we find you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty accessible. I the, Probably the easiest place would be behindthehuman.com. It's everything, you know, podcast, book, everything will uh, is and will be there. Um, the book, though, you can find that, uh, you know, be in the regular places. Amazon uh, will have it. Uh, you can get it directly from the publisher as well, which is a bit of a unique scenario because the, the, the publisher is Baron Fig, who also produces really nice notebooks, guided journals, pens, and, and uh, the tagline is tools for thinkers. We've been talking a lot about James Clear. Wow. They're, the actual, they're actually the people behind James Clear's uh, habit tracking journal. So it's the same company yeah. that designed, okay. yeah, that is actually publishing and printing this book. So it's, it's going to, you'll see, is that something, is this a new? Yeah, you won't see any of this. You won't see any of this on their website yet. This is the first book they're officially publishing, but there are are others in the work. Yeah. Thank you. All came from the relationships with the app because I was looking for a printer at one point for some, some features we wanted to release. So I'm, I share that because I'm excited that it's, it's a very different physical product. There's, it, it's not because that's why they're launching this publishing company. The book, as you can suspect from our conversation, allows you know encourages you to pause and think and write. So the book opens and lays flat, just like their journals. So it's not gonna be flipping all over the place. I mean, just you know, the pages are rounded. The the quality of the paper is what you would expect in their journals. The cover, everything comes in a box in a slip case it's it's all it's all just very uh there's just small elements that are are different so as someone that always reads on on kindle and apple books i'd actually encourage the physical product on this because it's it's a different experience yeah but that's so that's that's so interesting i had no idea that that's really cool man um, yeah. So behind the human.com, it'll all be there. It'll all direct. I mean, audiobook is, it will be ready as well. So uh, whatever works, but um, the, the only thing I would say is just, 
you know, be kind to yourself while you go through the process and enjoy the reflection, enjoy being open to new things and whatnot, but, you know, be kind to yourself and, uh, you, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for, for trying something new. I think that's the most important thing yeah. we can all do. I, lo- I love that. Um, just recently I've sort of, um, I, I've, I've started to realize my love of writing myself. Like I've just, doing a blog and things like that and i've called my call my blog the art of gentle conviction oh i love that because what i've realized is that um in the past my pursuit of excellence in in my sporting world and and other things that i've done have been very um forceful done the usual kind of all grit all hard like get at it you're with me or against me type yeah (laughs) Yeah. like real kind of um you know, um, sport mentality behind things and, and it hasn't served me well and it, and it doesn't, and it doesn't serve anyone. Well, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness that comes with that. And there's a lot of sabotage along the way. Um, and reflecting on that. So as I pursue this, my, my new kind of self as, you know, the 3.0 version and mm-hmm. this work that I'm leaning into and ex- exposing my own shit. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be convicted in what you want, like that vision. Go after it with conviction. But but once you finish going after it for the day, have this gentleness about how you treat yourself around it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrate the day. I, I mean that beating myself up over practice and training and matches and things like that in the past and where it just wasn't helpful and, and it just sort yeah. of ruined my own relationship with myself and others so that so yeah, so bringing the gentle conviction, you know, be convicted, but be gentle along the side of it. Yeah. So they really resonated with what you just said there. Be kind to yourself as you go through the process of unpacking and, and answering questions. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's a beautiful way to, to end the day and, and bookend weeks and, and months and just, you know, asking the question, what can I celebrate today? you know, and, yeah. and finishing it off there on, you, you really can't lose finishing really anything off on gratitude. And it's a, another great way to be kind and remind ourselves that, you know what, you know, despite whatever would have, uh, whatever happened or transpired in the day, there were some wins in there. There were some micro wins. Sometimes there's big wins, sometimes small wins, but there were wins and there's definitely something you can celebrate each day, which, you know, helps us all. Absolutely. We all win. Absolutely. Well, Mark, I definitely will be celebrating you on October 19th on the release. Oh, thank you. Um, and I'll be grabbing a, a, a hard copy of that because it looks phenomenal. And, um, and yeah, you're definitely going to be changing some of my practices over the coming weeks of being a bit more reflective around questions and answering. And, um, yeah, super grateful to have you on the show. And I really value your time and, and your, uh, your thoughts. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to, we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And I, I just want to acknowledge you as well, just for, you know, showing up with awesome energy and uh, we've got a time zone difference here and somehow I'm going to have to pull myself out of the, the flow state I'm in now and the hyper, I'm, I'm, I'm ramped up as if I'm ready to start the day, but I technically need to go to bed soon. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I love the Toronto connection, living there for 12 yeah. years and um yeah, look, you know, I've, I've, I've seen just in the background, there's out your window, go from sort of uh, 
the sundown, yeah, the darkness, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's eleven thirty a.m. here for me, so I'm ready to go and have like a. Uh, Geez, I feel like having a little bit of a beverage right now, celebrating this. Uh, Absolutely, this win I've had with having you on my show and uh, and and learning from you. So, look, mate, I will let you go to bed because you've got a five-year-old that's about to get up probably in about uh, six hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and yeah, look, just um, yeah, thanks, mate, and I wish you all the best with the book release and uh, and what's to come. I look forward to following the journey. Thank you. Thank you for dialing into the Flowcast. I hope you took away some valuable insights to make your challenges and journey a little more epic. If you'd like to learn more about how we can help you find more flow and upskill your vision and mindset, check out our flow programs at www.inspiredpeakperformance.com. Thanks again for sharing your valuable time with us and please feel free to share and subscribe to the Flowcast. Until next time, get out there, find your flow, and create your own inspired peak performances daily.